Cinema Sex Ed contains strong language, sexual scenarios, and potentially offensive comments. It is intended for maturely immature audiences only. Welcome back, class. Thanks for being here. This lesson covers Emmanuel, produced by Studio Canal and released in the U.S. by Columbia Pictures. This 1974 softcore skin flick pushed the boundaries of film censorship, hardly embracing its X rating with the tagline, X was never like this. Starring Sylvia Christelle as Emmanuel and Alain Cuny as Mario, directed by Juste Jacquin and written by Jean-Louis Richard, based on the book of Emmanuel. Cinema Sex Ed. Here's a brief summary. Set in 1970s Thailand, the story follows the sexual awakening of Emmanuel, the young wife of a slightly older French diplomat named Jean. Jean insists on an open marriage and revels in his wife's adoration and willingness to perform for him sexually whenever he wishes. Emmanuel has been less willing to explore extracurricular sexual relationships until she meets her libertine husband in Bangkok and begins to find her place in the society of bored, rich French expatriates who use sex to anesthetize themselves from the monotony of their privileged daily lives. Hanging around her new digs, Emmanuel's beliefs about the etiquette of masturbating in front of friends is challenged by the young Marie Ange. On the squash courts, she is aggressively seduced by fellow diplomatic wife Ariane, and under the spell of a deep crush in just a few days, Emmanuel manages to fall head over heels for the strong and independent B, an archaeologist who wants more in her life than just being someone's mother, lover, or wife. Although Jean has claimed to want nothing else than for his wife to be free, when Emmanuel's affair with B calls his bluff, Jean spirals into temporary madness, recognizing his own emotional attachment. That is until he relieves its hold on him by sleeping with Ariane. When B breaks Emmanuel's heart and sends her home, Jean insists Emmanuel venture into the seedy underground world of the much older Mario, a local guru of erotic science, so that she can learn to detach from passionate love in a series of dark and disturbing sexual encounters. Emmanuel was made for around $500,000, quickly became an international hit. It was followed up with inspired gems like Black Emmanuel and Emmanuel in Space. The sanctioned and unsanctioned string of sequels, remakes, and ripoffs unexpectedly made Emmanuel a seemingly endless franchise with an undeniable cultural impact. In 2007, British singer Lily Allen sampled the theme by Pierre Bachelet in her song Littlest Things, and in the 1990s and early aughts, here in Los Angeles, author and stand-up Adrian Colesbury adapted and staged Emmanuel as a live performance piece cast with a bevy of familiar-faced comics. I'm joined by one of Colesbury's original cast members, stand-up writer, actress, cool mom, Chris McGaha, and we're discussing the cultural and artistic merits, cinematic elements, and social messages on sex, love, and relationships that we can take away from Studio Canal and Columbia Pictures' Emmanuel. Come on, everybody, get out your notebooks. Let's do Emmanuel. I am very happy to be sitting here today with one of my favorite people in the world, actress, comedian, TV host, writer, mom, and many Aww. other things, Chris McGaha. Hello. Yay. Yay, me. Yay, you. Yay, me. And she is joining me for a conversation about the 1974 softcore porn. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> Classic Emmanuel. There's 
a very special reason that I wanted you to sit down with me to talk about this film because you were involved with a project that did live stagings of Emmanuel. Yes. Can you tell me some about that and share Why, with us? Certainly. It was probably now, about 20 years ago, gong, 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 I feel so old. Um, about 20 years ago was probably the first time that we did it. I was part of this group of actors, actually it was mostly stand-up comics, um, led by Adrian Colesbury, a very funny gentleman who has written, uh, has a, a book out actually now that came out a, years ago called How to Make Love to Adrian Colesbury. <laughs> And basically, it's an entire book on his sexual exploits and uh, what the best way uh, for it to go down would have been. Um, and it is hilarious. And uh, anyways, Adrian was a very, is a very funny stand-up comic and uh, had just this really great sort of nerdy personality. And he was obsessed with Emmanuel, the movie, because that was like sort of his coming into age of seeing a woman's body really for the first time and having that sort of warm feeling while you're watching this movie and just the utter shock that he's even seeing it. And uh, so he wrote this show where the actors would be acting out the movie while he kept narrating it and would interrupt the the movie while it was going on to say, okay, so now let's just take this back. He would like do these little interruptions and then he would also talk about how his feeling was at the time when he was watching it. And okay, and then let's go back to it. Okay, go ahead. And then he'd be like sit back down in the audience and it was so hilarious. And the cast, I was Emmanuel. Uh, Chris Hardwick, um, yes, that Chris Hardwick, um, played my husband, Jean. <laughs> and uh, this other very funny comedian, Murray Valeriano, played a couple of the men, played Mario, and then a couple of the other um, characters, of the men characters. And then we had some very funny women, Carol Ann Leaf, who played B, uh, My Obsession. And Wendy Wilkins played some of the other women. It, it was just, there was, and there's another woman, and some other women, girls came in and out, like Tess Rafferty, and some other very funny, all very funny people. And we really just, uh, we had a blast doing it. And obviously, there's a lot of sex in the movie, which we could not portray. So uh, I do yeah, have. How did I, you handle that? I do have some boundaries. Um, I, I won't do anything for my career. Um, we would uh, shake hands. So anytime uh, there was sex going on, it was a thing of where you were sh you would start shaking the person's hand, and of course we would be like very ridiculous with it and like be acting like we were going you know, all hot and horny by just shaking hands. Uh, or of course, if you were masturbating, you would be shaking hands with yourself, and so on and so on. I remember seeing this and having you describe it. It's kind of flooding back to me because it was just silly. It was, it was very silly. Yeah, it was very silly. And it was hard not to be on stage and just be laughing about it and just the ridiculousness of it all. And the, the thing was, is if it wasn't for Adrian's passion for the whole thing, I don't think it would have worked. You know, he was so passionate about the, the entire project and, and his narration and the ideas that came along with it, which just made you excited too, I thought. So when you were auditioning for this or when you were picked or when he asked you to do it had you seen Emmanuel did you had you seen it when you were younger or did you just see it 
because you were doing this? No, I had just heard of it. I had heard of it. And we didn't, I mean, no, he just called me up and said, will you please play Emmanuel for me? You have that sort of look, that sort of innocence you and, do. and so that's that a- thing that you can portray and then, but you can, you can be sort of sexual, but not, you know, it's more of an innocence factor to it. Um, and Adrian, this is how passionate he was about the entire thing. He actually took me shopping. Like he knew what he wanted me to look like so desperately that he, it had, everything had to be perfect for him. Every little aspect of it of like, you he know. He had a vision. Yeah, yeah. Like when, when Murray was, uh, Mario is like, he, you know, it's like he, somebody would be wearing an ascot, you know, just everything was just down to the T and even like just faking you know, playing squash or whatever. But no, I'd never seen it. And we got together as a cast, of course, and watched it. And there's nothing awkward about that. <laughs> nothing awkward at all. Having a room full of comedians <laughs> who are having to watch a softcore porn and and having them look at the movie and then look at you and look at the movie and then look at Jean and like, oh, okay, well, this should be interesting. <laughs> And how long did you do it and where did you do it? And, and by do it, I mean perform it. Uh, we did um, several runs of the show at the West, what was now the, I think it's defunct now, the Westwood Brewing Company. We performed it there weekend after weekend after weekend. And we got a really great following there. And then we performed it. We just did it at a couple of different venues. And then um, I don't know exactly why we stopped, but we stopped and then years later, Adrian wanted to try to put it up again. And this was even after I had Zoe and we got together again and, and did it a couple more times. And that was about it. Like for a quick reunion tour. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. So maybe like, uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her last name, if it's Cristal or Christelle, but like Sylvia Christelle, maybe, you know, well well into your later years you will be playing Emmanuel like she played the same role like, yeah in something like five more movies after this and then was in like space what? wasn't she in space at one time I don't know if she was in the one from space but yeah she was in the she was in like seven uh tv movie versions of it or what I mean Emmanuel really got around I mean what I mean what is it about this character do you think having played her that resonated with people that this thing has legs. I mean, she had legs. But yes, she did. This has legs. What is it? Um, I, I think anytime sex is involved, that's that's going to be an interesting thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I guess everybody goes through that period of um, exploration and and how far can I push this boundary and how far can I go and you know where's my comfort zone in it and I guess that was just so interesting to see somebody go so far off off the cliff to where they're just dead inside and on her own like basically yeah this seems like a great idea you know where is it that along that line do you go you know what um maybe I should leave yeah maybe this isn't the kind of man I want to be with or relationship I want to be in that's another thing and we'll talk more about it in a little bit but in terms of themes I mean some of the themes in this are sexual awakening but also this philosophy touted by Mario the elder gentleman like the guru of erotic science which I think is hilarious 
uh, this law of the future idea of polyamory and, you know, having multiple partners and kind of blowing up boundaries in relationships, right? And um, things like that I find really fascinating in a context like this film because there's rape scenes and, mm -hmm. you know, and the character of Mario himself taking Emmanuel to these places and putting her in situations where she almost has no choice. Right, right. And, like, bullying her almost into situations, but yet telling her to sort of own her sexuality. How I know. How can you own your sexuality when everything's just being done to you? Right. You know, she's not participating in it. It was just all, like, you know, lay down and take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to make you such a better person. All right. This is going to make you a much better lover. Yes. Because, you know, you will so much more willingly lay there. I don't understand, you know, the... The relationship between her and her husband in this film seems to be okay at the beginning, even. And I don't know about that. I wouldn't say okay, but there seems to be, there's an agreement between them, right? I mean, that, uh, and I found this hilarious, too, because this I have found in with friends, and uh, I've heard this story from friends, and I've also seen it with clients, this idea of, oh, yeah, let's have an open relationship. One person really wanting to have an open relationship and pushing the other person and pushing the other person. And then at the point that the other person finally says, okay, let's do this. And the person who's been pushing sees that that their partner is getting a lot more play than they are right. or is enjoying it or somehow it doesn't – it's the fantasy is far better than the reality. Right. And that's what I kind of love about the movie. Right. He starts <laughs> going crazy. Yeah. Well, that was the great, that was so, what was so fun about Hardwick too is because of course, you know, he took it like really, like he's literally like, you know, sweating and like losing hair, you know, kind of thing. It just like really like, yeah, he, he loses his mind. He loses his mind. And it's really funny because as you're talking about Mario, he's got that ridiculous line of Napoleon is on St. What is it? Napoleon St. Helen counting his spoons, you know, it's like, it's like, what are you talking about? And just like looking at, yes. Oh, wise Mario. Oh, wise Mario. What? He makes no sense. Right. Words, it's word soup. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, oh, if I just throw some words together, it'll make me sound mysterious and interesting. Right. Yeah. And I love our first introduction to Mario at the party that Jean and, <laughs> and Emmanuel are having at their house. Right. Right. And that one woman who's just like, I'm basically, you're, you're a disgusting pig. Goodbye. What? All you do is talk about sex. Right. 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 What do you think about? Is it Marie-Ange, right? Is that her name? I'm, yes. I did not take French. I don't... I, did you take French? Did you take no, languages? No, no. Okay, good. Uh, well, not good, but uh, I'm just a little less embarrassed by my poor pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it is Marie-Ange. Yeah, I think it's Marie-Ange. So, like, that character, how old is she supposed to be? <laughs> I know. She... I think, yeah, she's supposed to be, like... I want to see, like... Cause she, I've been doing this since I was 12. So, <laughs> <laughs> You've been walking into people's homes and masturbating since you were 12? Really? I bet you're popular at parties. Yeah, I could see that. Well, you know, that scene really reminded me of the first time you and I met. <laughs> when I walked into your house and I masturbated. To a picture of Paul Newman. Uh, yes. I just rubbed one out on the couch. Who hasn't? 
Yeah, that it, that whole relationship is so interesting. Why she decides to befriend Emmanuel and all of that, and uh, she seems so much more sexually sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. And what was the thing? Like her very first line is so ridiculous. Um, oh, she just like yeah, she's like she's like this little Lolita character with the lollipop and all this other stuff, and then she just swims over to her and she's like. I'd like to speak to you. Okay, good. Come by my house. Do you know where I live? Sure. Okay, bye. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? The what world of diplomats and their, yeah, just, their, their women in Thailand. Oh, my gosh. Well, the whole thing with the, the whole women around the pool is so, the whole women around the pool thing is so ridiculous of like, oh, hi, Emmanuel. How are you? Oh, you missed the whole war vessel that just showed up and we just basically yeah. banged everybody on the warship over the last, I haven't been home in two days. Oh, too bad you missed it. It was such a party. What? You just basically are telling me that you basically had a big orgy of uh, seamen for the last two days and your husbands are completely fine with it and it's all very, very cool. Right. They're all just saying like, oh, you know, it's so boring around here. All there is to do is fuck. Right. And right. like, so get on board. With stranger. Yeah. It's, just, right. it's awesome. It's like Fleet Week in New York. Reminds me of Samantha and Sex in the City. I love that. Just the kind of blase attitude. And then there's Maria, she's sort of like, yeah, they're not doing half of what they're saying, but then later but on, then there's <laughs> other things that go like, really? Maybe they, they are. <laughs> Maybe they are. Like, who's being naive here? Right. Maria. Right. And then there's like the oddly aggressive uh, bisexual Ariane, who really puts the hard press on for Emmanuel. Emmanuel doesn't seem really taken aback by that at all. It's their first sexual encounter on the squash court. <laughs> like from now on, of I, course. if somebody invites you to play squash, <laughs> right, right. You, maybe you want to ask, should I wear underwear? Well, she's coming on super hard at the at the pool. That's the first thing. It's like she's coming on really. And it's just like she will not stop touching her, which was very fun. Because I, Carol, uh, when we did the show too, that was what was hilarious. Like just constantly touch, 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 touch. And just like, you know, uh, no, that was Wendy. Yeah, Wendy put that. But it's just like, yes, just touch, 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 touch. And then what? You know, you want somebody else? That's okay. It doesn't matter. Touch, 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 touch. <laughs> Who's who cares about B? But I still want you. Blah 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 blah. blah. It doesn't matter. It's just like talking about somebody who seems like they're constantly just rubbing one out. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> just like humping her leg and touching her boobs. And we've and, got some issues of sexual addiction going on here, right? Some people who are just like cannot contain themselves. Right, right, right. In a, yeah, in a squash court, in a locker room. Uh, it doesn't matter. And these are in days before Purell. I would be cautious before, you know, putting my hands on the handle of one of those rackets. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like there's like a ladder in there for no apparent reason. Do you remember because she's like leaning up against like something? Yes. It's like, why is there a ladder in the squash court? Is that how you got in there? That, that is. Because that, I had the same question and, and that's Tom said, oh, I think that's how it gets, how you get into like the squash pit. And I thought. Okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But what didn't make sense was that Emmanuel seemed to be, in the movie anyway, she seems very standoffish or kind of like she's resisting. Maybe she was being coy, I don't know, until she gets to the ladder. And then she's sort of like, no, 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 this is just right. Right. (laughs) I need need these rungs across my back and now. To really experience pleasure. Right. I mean, you know, everybody has their thing. 
Emmanuel, if that's yours. Emmanuel. So I know you were just rewatching the movie. Rewatching it, was anything standing out to you now that maybe you'd forgotten or is a little bit different than you remembered it? Um, I think. I think the dialogue is just hilarious to me because, and I don't know if it's like, it can't be in the translation, <laughs> but it's like so much of the dialogue and, and uh, the, some of the moments are just, just like we were talking with Marianne. It's just like this little girl comes swimming over and goes, I would like to talk to you. Okay, great. Come to my house. And then she swims off and it's all fine. And then there's a, and the other thing, like the other weird relationship is with um, Jean and uh, who's the other dude? The... I don't know his name, but the guy who's uh, who ends up saying, I told you, or, or, oh, you must be happy. Like, yeah. Emmanuel's been missing for days. You must be so happy. Right, right, <laughs> right. Like, their relationship is very odd, too, because, okay, they're in the, they're in there getting those massages and the beginning. What look like the most uncomfortable. <laughs> a wooden table. Uh, your head is now on a wooden table. And this is something. <laughs> right, right. And, and basically... Their their call conversation is just so hilarious. Of like, um, you know, what, what do you think? Don't you get? You mean you don't have sex in the plane? Of course, you have sex in the plane. And then he's like, Well, I don't really think that that's a. You know, I would never have sex with blah blah blah. And then he goes, Okay, well, I'm gonna go now. See you later. Hey, by the way, go over there and, and jerk this guy off. <laughs> okay. And then he just leaves. And now that both of the girls are like pouncing on him, and he just said, He's like, I don't. That's not something I really do. Okay, well, you are gonna do it anyway. Right. It's, it's a little bit like Mario taking Emmanuel to the Thai boxing, to the opium den. It's like, well, I don't really care what you want. You're getting some action. Yeah. And uh, what I was going to say earlier, too, is about the relation, uh, you know, the relationship between Jean and Emmanuel is also so incredibly interesting. Like you're you're saying, well, they seem like they already have a really good relationship. And I'm like, really? Because like some of the stuff that he says about her, like with, 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 the, with the guy in the masseuse thing, he's like saying, you know, oh, well, you know, you must love her because she's so beautiful. Not really. He basically <laughs> says that she's not that pretty. It's not about that she's pretty. It's about the fact that, like, she's a really hot lover and she'll do whatever I say. Yeah. You know, he says well, it's it. It's true. It's a dominant, submissive relationship. Yeah, he says it there. And then he says how he's been showing her, pic like, to, when he picks Emmanuel up, he's like, oh, by the way, everybody can't wait to meet you because I've been showing your naked pictures to everybody. And, and she's, she's like, like what? what? <laughs> right, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's like, who does that? Would you like, like run around just... and show naked pictures of your wife? This is my wife. She's No, she's not really pretty, but she's really a good fuck. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always anticipate that Tom has had that conversation with plenty of people before we go into public settings. <laughs> <laughs> His Instagram feed just full of shots of beaver shots of mine. Uh, but yeah, it... You you're right. I I, I did misspoke uh, misspeak, but uh, oh, misspoke about opinion, misspeak. But no, but no. I, like... But you're right. I guess when I say good relationship, I'm thinking like there's some uh, a psych term for it is like pseudo mutuality, right? Like there's an agreement going on here. They're both getting something out of this, right? But one of the things that I found surprising about the movie or the Emmanuel story and and her relationship is that for so long at the beginning, it seems like, oh, she doesn't, quote unquote, cheat on her husband. She doesn't do these things. This is kind of how he is and not how she is. 
and that's okay. But then she tells a story about joining the Mile High Club. Yes, and that's not just once, but twice. Right, right. I didn't double header. Right, right, right. There was the double. It's a long uh, flight. It doesn't count. uh, What was the thing? It doesn't count with it's a woman, does it? Well, there's first. There's that. That she's saying that she's not really cheating because it doesn't really count with with a woman, right? And then you find out, and she's. I said I didn't have sex in Paris, like that. (laughs) In Paris, no, I was flying above the world. She's getting. She's she's literally getting off on a technicality. Yes, yes. (laughs) But um, bunch. Yeah, yeah, that whole scene is just like, it just comes over, scoops her up. I'm going to take you into the <laughs> Right, <laughs> the watching I'm, 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 man or whoever the guy is like, yeah, I just watched you totally get it on with this other guy. And uh, now I must have you. <laughs> right, it, so you must be up for grabs. Mm. The film was made in 1974, and so I'm assuming that the setting is also at that time. From all the fashion and everything, it seems like that. Um but th- those seats on the plane were so big. This is the kind of <laughs> thing that I fixate on when I watch a scene like that is, oh, my God, look at how much room they had. And then I think about... And blankets. Right. <laughs> and that woman that she asked for the be- blanket didn't get really mad at it. Right, right. right. She, she had no problem. It's mine. <laughs> right. There I mean, were two of them. <laughs> there were things to share. There were plenty of blankets. First of all, totally not real. And, and, and by the way, how yeah, how can you get even two people in that bathroom, much less? <laughs> but that bathroom was like I was I was actually really glad that she had sex with the second guy because I was disappointed that she had sex with the first guy in the seats in front of everyone because I really did want to see, well, how big are those bathrooms? Because <laughs> nowadays I I am not a I am not a proud member of the Mile High Club. That is one that is one milestone that has not been crossed with me yet. Me we're either. we're about to take a ten hour flight to London, so anything's <laughs> possible. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. On behalf of our flight crew, I'd like to welcome you aboard our flight today. I, you know, never say never, uh, but I, I don't think that it would be possible to do it. I or I can't imagine that I would be comfortable doing it in a modern. Our airplane bag. No, I could barely get in there myself, you know, and it's that thing of like you're always afraid to get, because I don't want to, I want to make sure I don't touch the door because I'm afraid the door's going to go flying open or something because of the little teeny flimsy lock of like green, red, green, red. I'm kind. I'm kind. Yeah, just like afraid to even touch anything because, you know, it's like get over here, it's like there's the water, there's, there's the, yeah. Another thing that stood out to me were the body types of the women. And I know I saw this film when I was way too young to see this film, when it was on cable, right? Because I think it was one of those ones that was on Cinemax probably or HBO on Luke, yeah. after Dark. And probably, like your friend who directed it, who did the stage thing, Adrian? Yeah. Like, I imagine that that, that was probably how he first saw it, like right. how so many of us saw those kinds of films. So I didn't remember that much about it, but when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, I think I probably saw this when I was 12, and that kind of horrified me, because I was thinking, your daughter is 12 years old, yes. and I can't imagine, I was like Still horrified. with my little ponies, right, and like, you know. No, 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 I can't, she can't. <laughs> uh, but, I, but, but the positive thing about it is, I thought... I wish I'd paid more attention to the body types because all the women had 
small breasts, you know, and I always had an issue with the size of my breasts. And I thought, well, good on them, man. They're all just so comfortable and running around. You no, don't it, see like a lot of artificial anything. No, no. But they were all very slender, too. Yeah. All of them were very slender. Well, yeah, that's that. I don't know whether it was the casting type or whether it's like these are French women. Yeah. But even the only thing was, that was the thing with, was Ariane, I guess that was the big of like, ooh, she's an older woman. You know, she has a she was wrinkle. Like I know. <laughs> she had like one wrinkle and she's supposed to be the the old woman who's so wise and so jaded. And, you know, I might as well be smoking and I'm having my whiskey and, you know, you're boring, get out, you know. Well, that was one of the things Marianne... <laughs> Take your balls with you to uh, John. <laughs> Take your testicles and get out! <laughs> well, Marie Ange says something at one point about Jean being like 32 and like that he's an old man at 32. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, just yeah, a yeah. little tear. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, how times you're, you're, have changed. Right, right, right. Yeah, this is the whole thing about like, your husband is good looking. You should you should give me a picture. That was the other thing she says. You should, what? What are you talking I'm sorry, what was your name again? I'm sorry, can you take the lollipop out of your mouth and explain to me, what did you just say? You know why I suck on lollipops? <laughs> because the men like them. Okay. But you're right. I mean, it was totally cribbed from Lolita. Yeah. There were elements of it that also reminded me of the story of O. And there's this sort of fine line between the sexual revolution and sexual freedom for women and this other submissive dominant play. I mean, they're they're the beginning of the movie up until a point, it does seem like, wow, she's really having a sexual awakening and exploration and she's embracing her own choice and uh, making her own decisions in this way. And then suddenly it just took this turn when she stopped sleeping with women. Not, well, you know. no, because if you think about her relationship too with B. Like, what a dominant, B was the dominant relationship in that one as well. And just the fact of, like, B really had, could really care less about her, you know? And just, it was just this thing of, like, she just all of a sudden fixates on B. Like, that's the one I got to have. That was and then, and then B's like, I don't even, whatever. And, like, you know, can like, we get I to, like you, can but... we, Well, can we get together, you know, can we get together? No, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going on an archaeology dig. <laughs> Because, you know, who doesn't on Tuesdays go to the archaeology dig? And, and then she's like, well, well, where can I meet you? Where can I meet you? Okay, I'm going to be at the canals, you know. And then she it just happens to show up at the canals. They don't set a time. They there's nothing. Just the canal. Canals. Just, just, just it, be there. Just be there. Feel me. And then she gets into the car with a little guy and like, oh, I bet we got a letter from Mario, you know. And then she, when she rips it up on, when they're in the boat, they're in the boat, she's like... It doesn't matter. I'm free. Kish, 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 kish. And I'm going to throw this into the canal. And like, okay, all I could do was go, okay, she's totally littering right now. This is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, but it was in Thailand. <laughs> she's, I know. <laughs> Those people probably were shitting in that water too. So I'm sorry. Some little Thai boy is putting the little letter back together with his little fingers gluing it back. <laughs> Jared Manuel, Take two. please meet me at the... But oh. that that is uh, that was something I found interesting trivia wise in the shoot they were shooting in Thailand, but uh, they couldn't get permits with the original script, so they had to give sort of this family friendly version, which 
would probably be hilarious to know what that looked so like. So the little Thai girl who was smoking out of her booty was not in the original script? <laughs> well, that's interesting, too, because the director claimed that he did not direct that, that there were several cameras when they were shooting in that location, and that he didn't even see that shot until he was in a screening of the film. Which really? really? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, so, what kind of a director are you? This, I think, was his first directing gig. His Now, if this doesn't sound like some kind of a porn name, but like Just Jackin or Jacqueline. Oh, yeah, Just, yeah. yeah just yeah. Jackin. That's what it looks like, his name. <laughs> really? Maybe you just yeah. made a made-up name and yeah. put it on there, maybe? <clears throat> uh, but Just or Juiced or whatever his name is. He, um... He was an artist and a photographer, I guess. And they wanted him to direct the second one, but he didn't want to continue to just direct uh, versions or you know sequels of Emmanuel. But I, I thought that that was really funny. Like, how could there be something that was shot as a director that you hadn't seen or that you didn't okay that was being put in the final cut? Right. And that scene also, which is quite fascinating, and if, if you don't know what we're talking about, there is a scene where... When Jean, it's when Jean is in his spiral, right? When he's in his mental breakdown, yes, over not knowing where Emmanuel has been for, I guess, at this point, like four days or something. In a day before cell phones. Yes. Which I also found surprising, <laughs> side note, that he knew, but I guess it's like a small town and everybody probably told him where and who, where she was and who she was with. Well, you would think that the houseboy might have mentioned it. He drove her. The houseboy. <laughs> right. Oh, of course. Good point. Thank you. That makes total sense. The handyman. The handyman. The handyman who raped, who raped the, the other little girl. <laughs> who got so excited. Maids. So excited. So excited watching their reunion. Yes. Um, but so yeah. So he's taking his pain to a whorehouse or a. I guess it's a whorehouse or a strip club. It's well, he says know. it's a whore. Yeah, the guy says it's a whorehouse because the guy that comes up to him and goes, "Your your wife's got really great tits," <laughs> you know. But and then who he does gets, that? Again, it's like the thing of like, who does, some guy just walks up and says, hey, I had a really good time at your party. By the way, your wife has got a real nice set of knockers. Like, who's going to think that, yeah, that that's appropriate or that you're not going to get punched? Apparently that. that happens to Tom all the time. No, I'm just <laughs> really? kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't really? that be sweet? No, I, I completely agree normally, but in this context, I, I had a little bit of the opposite reactions like, Jean, why are you getting so pissed off? You're the person who is passing around our naked pictures to people. Right. Right? It's right. like you're showing her off. And again, like her, like his friend says, you should be happy. You're getting what you wanted. Right. right? You, you're sitting there saying, she's not my property. She's not just some accessory. I want her to be free and have all these experiences. And then when she does or people are responding in a way that he doesn't like or is bad timing. Right. He's totally spiraling out of control. Right. But yeah, that guy is kind of a douche, but he, the boundary had already been broken. If uh, he hadn't seen pictures of her, I imagine that uh, it would have been a little more disturbing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what do you think about this concept of older men as being gurus of erotic science that this idea that young people having sex and not really knowing what they're doing are doing it just naturally. But if you're still doing it into your older years, it's because you've become some sort of an artist at it. 
I, that is hilarious. <laughs> and well, I think that um, he obviously, to me, like it was just this weird, crazy deviant that you know had to be in some place like Thailand to get away with all the crazy stuff that he was obviously doing. And not only that, you got to go, what happened between him and Marie-Ange, number one? And number two, where did Marie-Ange go? Like midway, like at the end of the she like disappeared and her family took her out of there. It's like, did it have something to do with Mario probably doing something crazy with her as well? Because he was, she was like saying, "Oh yeah, he's like this really great guy and all this other stuff." And look, he gets he gets thirty seconds with Emmanuel, and he's totally had her deviled in like any way possible, like you know, played like a monopoly game, you know, by any any Thai boy in the neighborhood. So I don't know. It's just and and apparently Marie Ange was hanging out with Jean as well when because he makes a comment about that's right. He's seen her when. Emmanuel was off with B. Well, that's how, yeah, and that's how, that's right, that's how we find out that she left. Yeah. Right, and Marie-Ange, uh, well, that Jean tells Emmanuel to do whatever Marie-Ange told her to do. Right. Or tells her to do, which I thought, oh, are we going to see Marie-Ange again? And we didn't, which was very confusing. Like you're saying, she was just gone. Right. And no real explanation. Again, 1970s Thailand and this and Mario seem to be a perfect fit. Yes, it seemed to be the perfect playground for him. And it's not clear what he does. I, I don't, <laughs> the other ones, you know, it sounds they're they like work at the embassy. Yeah, they, right. Yeah, but so he says he just collects places. It looks like he's hanging out in the opium den. I found that character sort of fascinating as the sexual Sherpa for her. Right. But, right. But she's not. I, then there's that point too where she says to Mario, you know, let's just 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 fuck me and let me go back to my house. Right, right. Let's get this over. Can we please have closure? I know that this is some sort of really weird like eight day foreplay thing for you. Um, can, I'm so she's like I'm so tired. I'm so tired. My pussy well, can't take anymore. <laughs> Would it be? You've been drugged from an you know an opium den to a restaurant to. Well, that's also trivial. All in some sort of weird carriage <laughs> led by death, you know, in the dark, and saying how you're not scared, but you like you you look like you're about to explode. Oh, of course, oh, and, and some dude on the side of the street, some strange, like yeah, soldier boy coming up and hey. touching her, like American or I don't know, you're some touch her, touch her, touch her, going, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What the most surprising thing to me about the encounter with the serviceman and touching her legs in the carriage was that she was wearing underwear. <laughs> I mean, she hadn't worn underwear the entire time. You're right. I understand it's a very humid climate, but nobody seemed to have underwear on. Uh, that scene that you were talking about earlier, I don't know if we if we were recording at the time, but we're talking about Ariane when Jean is having his freak out and goes to Ariane oh, to... Okay. We were not talking about that. that was, that was, yeah. Front her about... Where's, where is she? Where's Emmanuel? Where is she? Yeah. She says, you don't know. You don't know. You know, you, you don't have... Like, basically saying you don't have any control over her and... And like we were saying, like basically handed him his balls <laughs> back to him. <laughs> and and then, uh, yeah, she's like, well, if you're not going to, you know, well, why don't you just have me then? You know, yeah, just, just, just fuck me. Yeah. 
after he's called her like you whore, you bitch. Right. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, he calls her a whore, and then she goes, "Okay, well, if I'm a whore, here you go. La 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 la. <laughs> Take me on the back of this chair." And she opens that split of her dress, and she's not wearing any underwear. Well, yeah, and he busts in there, and she's just hanging out in this full-on ball gown <laughs> with like this giant neck piece, like crystal, like what? Right, and then in the middle of their argument, she goes, undo my dress. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, let me come over and undo your dress. Because, right. you know, maybe that's why she had it on, because she didn't. She wasn't able to unclasp it behind, I don't know. <laughs> She's been sitting there for four days <laughs> with her whiskey. I, will, I hope somebody comes by to unclasp my dress. I know I should have hired more people. I'm just sitting here. My husband is gone. My husband he has is... forsaken me. He's, you know, he's fucking somebody else. And when will he come back to unclasp my dress? I have to wait till the squash locker room. <laughs> That's right. To put on my squash outfit so I can go touch some other woman. Yes, maybe somebody can undo my dress. As we've talked about or touched on the sexual revolution or sexual awakening aspect of Emmanuel's journey... Feminists, American feminists, did not respond well to it. Really? It's so strange. Hmm. Hmm, right? Because uh, it only takes, like, a minimum of three rapes before you're really <laughs> sexually awakened. And I'm not trying to joke about rape. I'm just, you know. Well, no, but the thing was is, like, very and, – and all of these choices – like, it was never really her choice. It was always, like, having things done to her except for – B, but even with B, B didn't really care about her, couldn't give a flip about her. You know, I think one of the best things that is one of B's lines that I think is so hilarious, she's like, <clears throat> where they're in, I think they're in the boat or they're somewhere, and then the Manuel goes, you know, B, honey B, tell me about yourself. And she looks at her and she goes, I prefer you to talk about me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> So I'm not going to tell you about myself. You talk about me. Well, I think you're a woman, and I think that you're probably a strong woman, and I think that you are smart. And B's just sitting there with this smug look on herself. And like the other thing, she gives her the bracelet. No, I want to take take this bracelet so you'll think of me. Take your bracelet back. I don't want your bracelet. Take away your, your damn bracelet. bracelet. And then she gets into the car. She's like, what are you doing? I'm doing what I want to do. I want to be free. All right, you okay. know, what is, you know. And then in the, in the movie, I don't know what it looked like when you did your stage version, but she's wearing this very flimsy white outfit skirt, uh, Emmanuel is, and then is riding horseback for a day, ne- supposedly. Because like she said two days on horseback, and then two, well, it was a like day two, day, two days in the Jeep, and then two days on horseback, and she... Never gets a dust mite on her, right. like nothing. When they get to the when they get to the waterfall, that thing is as white as it was in the first shot. That's and the first thing I noticed. There's no there's no chafing on her inner thighs or anything, and she's been on a saddled horse for two days. I'm sorry, my disbelief has been appropriately suspended. Well, the <laughs> other hilarious thing is that they're they're making love or whatever, and then they finish. And then you look behind them, and there's like this line of Tibetan monks going across the back. I'm like, are those extras? Do they pay for that? Or they just have, they literally just out here like half naked, and then the Tibetan monks are walking by in the background. That's excellent. Speaking of, of moments like that, I found this film visually really quite stunning. I think I was, I, I was surprised by how beautifully shot it was. Yeah. And yeah. the, I was, joke about the Sybil Shepherd lens, you know, but this very soft sort of 
uh, almost Vaseline on the lens and probably Vaseline other places too, but this look that just the softcore porn look, but right. It was also, it was, I'm thinking of somehow popping into my head, like, uh, Barry Lyndon or these sort of romantic movies from the seventies. It had that look and, and feel. And then, then you'd have a whole erotic scene and the sex in it, not particularly erotic to me. I mean, I, some of the stuff with the women I think is, a little bit, I guess, kind of soft, but it doesn't look like real sex, which is fine. But I know that I'm desensitized in a different way now because, like, we've been watching The Affair recently. I don't know if you've seen Mm-mm. that show. Echo! But there's a lot of sex in it, and they do it really well, but there's some pretty graphic stuff, staging and choreography of it and so to compare that like modern day sex scenes to what was in 1974 got this it an x, x right yeah that was the thing I, I did notice that was there was um there's one shot where i guess emmanuel gives jean a blowjob or something because they're he's standing there and he's talking to her and she starts kissing his chest and he's she starts to go down and i'm like I don't remember, like, I, mean, I remember us doing it in the show. I don't because, remember shaking hands no, with No, I do remember penis. with, yes, Hardwick, <laughs> but I was remembering going down on Hardwick. Uh, but, like, yeah, shaking the hand, and, like, he's holding the back of my head, and I'm turned back to the audience, and this, our hands are going like this. I do remember that. But, um, really, who could forget? <laughs> really. Um, but um, that they cut the camera because yes. they can't show that. But yet you have women's vaginas and that was another thing right out of the Smoking beginning. Smoking cigarettes. Well, not only. Yes. <laughs> well, that, but also, too, that was the thing. Is like It was kind of a hug it, hug it, hug it moment when the movie starts and you get a shot, a beaver shot, right out of the gate, if yeah. you remember. Like, she's she wakes up, fresh as a daisy. She walks through her house, and she's wearing that flowing see-through. They make sure they get her a window shot so you can see her silhouette of, of her body through the silhouette. That's just good filmmaking. Yeah. And then she goes and she sits down at her desk. We're talking on the phone of like, oh, you're going to take me to the airport, blah, 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 blah. And she goes and she's got her legs up and the dress falls open and there's a bush, you know, a nice big bush. Yep. No baby, not shaved there. The grooming was of its time. Yes. I just did one of these podcasts on Boogie Nights and talking about the golden age of porn and that Emmanuel sort of falls in that window of the golden age of porn, but you don't see oral sex. Mm-mm. And this is this is why I also wanted to do it because for cinema sex ed, I don't want to do porns, right? It like movies that were released in theaters to a wide mass audience, and and the sexual elements are the ones that I'm interested in. So, you know, Boogie Nights, which had rated R. R. It was rated R, and it did not have, uh, or, and it, it had the penetration and blowjobs and, and, and I mean, well, not like close-up penetration, but it, it was far more explicit, you know, you had, and, and it was a rated R, and this right. was obviously, But again, you didn't, and you didn't have any bush? No, you definitely, in, Bo- in Boogie Nights, there were, that it was, it was of the time as well. I mean, it, it really did. I mean, Heather Graham's bush, I mean, it must have been like a giant merkin. Right, I mean, right, it was right, like, right, right. It was right. like a carpet sample down there, you know, right. or Julianne Moore, God bless them. Um, but, 
you know, you had like Nina Hartley and you had all these other people. Yeah. There were some very explicit scenes in there and it was only rated R. And of course, obviously it was made in what, 97. Um, But in 74, this got an X rating and you never see penetration. You never see a penis. You never see oral sex. I don't even know if you see... The only thing you I see you is see a naked ass, a man's well, you, ass. I'm thinking. Well, you like, see the well, Chinese girl flipped over. Yes, that was. And that that scene was taken out for some of the other not not American. Did I say Chinese? I'm sorry, I meant Thai girl. <laughs> Excuse me. I did you? I don't know. You're so racist. I know. I'm oh so my racist. God. Okay. Yeah. So they cut out the opium den rape and the cigarette sequence at the club for um for british uh and some other places so for the british no sex please then yeah <laughs> that it made them uncomfortable but americans and the french didn't have a problem with that but so much of this movie felt so french to me i mean the dialogue and the mario's whole spiel sort of like you know fears you must get past your fear and embrace it and and embrace death and you know it's just everything's so kind of dark and morose and we're all going to die so just so go for it oh yeah <laughs> so fuck your brains out all day long is uh, i i found that kind of hilarious well yeah and then what's the other things he says to her so what is your what is your definition of erotica? What did he say? What is your definition? And she, and she's like, well, I think it's this. No, you're wrong. Just all of it is like anything she says. What, so what do you think? Just like everything's a trap for her of like, she, you you're can't stupid. Win. You're stupid. You're a stupid little girl. Now lay there and take it like a piece of furniture that you. you are. Yeah. I am definitely an advocate on some levels for people having a fulfilling and enriched sexual life before they settle down. Mm-hmm. I just think in the modern day, it's a it's a good thing, especially now. I mean, I understand when people don't as well, and I see the benefits of that. But you know, I think I'm I'm real. I don't think I'm pretty liberal. I'm really liberal in this way. But again, the, it, this story with Mario, I don't see it as an exercise of her choice it is like she is definitely being pushed into situations that she's not comfortable with and doesn't really want to be in right well she came back broken from b jean is not happy with her so he knows a good way to punish her would to be go off with mario you know you want to go off i'll show you go off go off with this crazy person you know and that's what it seemed like to me like you know, Jean had to know what Mario was and, you know, know what kind of vile person he is. The very first, like you like But Jean saying. wasn't the only one. Ariane was also saying, no, go with Mario. Everybody was like, no, no, go with Mario. I had a feeling like Mario had taken most of the women or what, slash wives around there on. Oh, and that's why they were just. Yeah, like, look, like, you know what? You need to really go hang out with Mario. He's going to take you to fucking opium den, get you fucked up. It's going to be awesome. And you're going like, to be in our in our line of women laying by the pool, waiting for the f- next fleet of uh, sailors to come in. <laughs> that's right. One of us. One, one of, of us. Right. Be, a, be a pod person <laughs> who hasn't gone home for two days because she was off with, you know, 46 sailors. Do you know what the Bechdel test is or, or Bechdel? 
Oh, where it's in a movie. Okay, so there, so there's three. I'll tell you what it is. I'm going to, I'm going to say what it is, anyways. You have a piece of paper there. I do. So the Bechdel test. I'm not going to go into the background of it. You can look it up online uh, if you're listening, and it's B E C H D E L. And to pass the Bechdel test, a movie has to hit three points. First off, the movie has to have at least two women in it. Check. Check. <laughs> Who talk to each other. Check. About something besides a man. <laughs> right. All right. So the thing about this movie is there seems, other than background characters, in terms of the main characters are mostly women. And you've got Mario and Jean. And those are sort of the only real male characters. Am I missing? Anyone? Well, the houseboy, but he, yeah. he has his but, he has yeah. sex and drives the a car. The rapey houseboy. Right. <laughs> the rapey handyman. Uh, but the main characters are, yeah. are women. Uh, but yet it does still all center around sex and marriage. And that that's kind of a bigger question about the Bechdel test, too, is, you know, just because a movie might, past some of these because there's that that scene where she's with B in the boat the one that you're talking about where you know, tell me about me <laughs> right. <laughs> right. enough about enough about me what do you think, think of me, me. Right. um she B actually says something I'm going to pull it up here because I know I wrote it down um oh the other one Yes. The other brilliant moment is that when, when, okay, so she does this whole thing where she goes to the canal. She's looking, she's looking for B. They, they meet up and then B, she helps B pack her Jeep. <laughs> she does all this packing and helping B pack her Jeep. And then B's like, okay, see you later. I'm out of here. So nice meeting you. And then starts driving away. And she goes, oh, by the way, as, as Emmanuel. <laughs> It's running alongside, chasing the Jeep. She goes, by the way, I don't even know your name. <laughs> Emmanuel! <laughs> she drives off. And then she stops the car and goes, Emmanuel, come up here. You're a very nice little girl. Or whatever it was. But it's just so hilarious. Like, this whole thing is going on. This whole thing of, like, meeting her at the party, like, seeing her at the party, then seeing her again later, and then, you know, you know I must talk to you, and then I don't have time for you, little girl. And then and she, she didn't remember her from the pool, either. Yeah, or the pool, right. Yeah, I mean, she'd been around. Like, oh, and whoa, she's, how she's lucky like, we honey, met. Bee, 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 bee. And then, oh, by the way. Although I, that would be annoying. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emmanuel was asking for it. And she started calling, Hi, Bee, honey bee. Shut the fuck up. How many times have I had a dollar? Your tits aren't worth it. <laughs> uh, that's a really good point about the driving off, too, because that it's like this dirt road. And again, not nothing on that white outfit mm -hmm. of Emmanuel. She stays innocent. Pure. 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 Yes. the driven snow. Yes. Until they get into that waterfall. The Bechdel test, what, what made me even think about that was the conversation that they had in the boat. And B says to B says to Emmanuel, quote, when men meet, they ask each other, how much do you make right. in some, or it's like when men meet in some place like New York, they ask each other, how much do you make? And when two women meet here, they ask, are you in love? Are you married? And right. I thought that was... I, 
oddly prescient in this little moment there between them like oh well b gets it because she's like yeah i work and those those women are just sitting right, around right right and even emmanuel before that says you're like the only person i know who works you actually work you know and uh well then and then then emmanuel at that moment when she says that to her she's like oh you're just making fun of me and i'm upset at you <laughs> <laughs> oh no I'm not I can't be mad at you I mean like she just does this whole like little girl she does she acts like a little girl a lot with um B I think you're right I think she acts like a little girl with everyone and back to the a point you were making earlier as well that looking for this dominant role I mean she's no wonder she likes B because B could sort of come in and be a breadwinner and a protector in a way that Ariane, no matter how aggressive and strong of a squash player she might be, right. <laughs> you know, she cannot get the strap of her dress under. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. But it looks like Ariane is married and mm -hmm. you know is kept by her husband like these other women, but here's this other independent person that maybe Emmanuel can latch onto and have take care of her. It's like she's looking for someone to take care of her. And taking care of her to some people means let's take her into an opium den and let two strange Thai men rape you. And right. apparently Sylvia Christel was really freaked out by that because they didn't speak Thai, the director didn't, and they, they weren't really good at explaining what was going on and the guys were like really attacking her and she well, was because she was the prize yeah oh no not in the tie fight scene uh oh. but in the in the opium den oh one. in the opium den yeah oh, okay the so, other time like, she got raped yeah, oh the other time yeah the first two times she was raped oh. yeah yeah you know because three times a charm so i imagine that would be terrifying that you're working with actors who don't in another country. They're just like, yeah, and don't quite understand and are really attacking you. So apparently those looks, those terrified looks on her face are real. Hmm. Another little trivia bit that I read about her was she's she was like some total super brainiac. She had an IQ of like 164, that actress, and she had skipped four grades in school. She spoke four languages, and she was pissed off that they didn't ask her to do the translation or the dubbing on the English version of the film. Oh. Yeah, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here you are, this woman with this big brain, 164 mm -hmm. IQ, and you are famous for... You live your life. She died at, like, age 60. You know, being known for this innocent girl, childlike Emmanuel. And the other thing is, is, like, it's like, okay, so she does the one, and she kept making that same choice to do more. <laughs> well, so it's she not was, like you she could was do Dutch. Like a... So, you know, and, and I mean, the French, I mean, this, the movie played until 1985. They had showings of Emmanuel, the original one, at the same theater for 11 years after it was released. Like, it, it played as one of, like, the highest grossing films of all time in France. And, and she, again, she's from the Netherlands, so she's... I'm sure they have a much different idea about, of sexuality. They're not as puritanical as we are culturally, but I agree with you. I mean, this is what you are, you're you agreeing see, to. Right, right. Like you had all this ability to do other things, I guess, is the uh, 
She also played Lady Chatterley in Lady Chatterley's Lover oh, again. So it's another like another one. Yeah. Now that one I really remember seeing a lot on like late night HBO when I was young, and um, I remember that one more clearly than this. I also found it hilarious when Marianne was asking her about her relationship with Jean and she was talking about losing her virginity to him in the backseat of a car and her oh my goodness I know like that whole thing when did you so so how did you what was it something when did you and John first make love oh the first day we met that was the thing yeah like it was their very first day like day that that's very progressive for that time in a, in a car right he's 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 taking her what did he, he took her out to dinner and he just pulled the car over the side of the road and took me right there oh how romantic okay. <laughs> so you really felt you were being loved for you <laughs> oh my gosh. he really saw who you were right yes. and marie i i looked everywhere for a statistic so if anybody has one Please send me uh, the statistic at cinemasexed at gmail.com because Marie-Ange says that there's a statistic that 11% of women lose their virginity in the backseat of a car. That's right. And that was in 1974. And I, I can't find anything of equivalent for what that might be now. Oh, but uh, yeah. So the, I was talking about the Bechdel test earlier and how feminists have issues with the manual and you know we can uh, we know why obviously but Japanese women actually saw her as a great symbol of sexual freedom and 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 female power because simply because of the scene where she mounts her husband ah. like they saw that as this incredibly dominant act of a woman that just blew their minds apparently <laughs> wow. Okay. There was the other funny. That was and the other dialogue because so much, so much of the dialogue really just kind of cracked me up. Was the thing where so they they they're at the dinner with you know they're at the dinner and then they start just talking at the table. Uh, all the servants leave, and then she has that really weird conversation with him, saying you know well I don't understand. Why is it okay to say he has a big nose or I had a dream last night and not okay to say, hey, can I had my ass fucked last night <laughs> or what were the other ones? My okay. husband has a beautiful dick yeah, or something like that. Yeah, my husband has a beautiful dick. Well, you can say it. You just you did. Just did. <laughs> He's so deep. It's so much of the dialogue, the men dialogue, well, all of the dialogue was just hilarious. But again, with the man thinking, like, that the man is oh so wise with their word soup, as you like to put it. It's like, you know, you could say it. You just did. <laughs> oh, my gosh, my brain. Yeah, exactly. You're going to explode Emmanuel's tiny little brain. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there, there were these moments of, these philosophical moments like that that, really stood out and were like, hmm, maybe I should pause and think about that for a moment, like the law of the future or that conversation. Uh, the writer uh, Jean-Louis Richard, uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Day for Night the year before. Uh, so this was a very... A very interesting uh, turn in his... Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, he was a respected... Uh, writer and I 
I'm like, well, they had all these elements there of this film really being high quality and it's Emmanuel, you know, it is what it is. So, well, I guess, yeah, at the time of the 1970s, I could see how, I guess it seemed like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, look at all the fancy things that they're saying and, you know, oh, this is, seems like so intelligent, but yet everything that my eyes are seeing <laughs> is in a completely different direction than what I'm hearing, you know. <laughs> And I wonder about how many young men watched this film and then adopted some of these philosophical stances about polyamory, too. Like, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we are. We should all just be free. I shouldn't treat my partner like an accessory. And I should share them with the world and this sort of progressive idea of what love and romance really can be. Uh one of the reasons that Columbia here in the United States picked up the film to distribute it was because they had all this data that showed most of the audience that kept going and going back to see Emmanuel in Europe were women. Mm. So they thought it's okay if it's X-rated because if women like it, 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 it's not pornographic. Right, right. I could see. Okay. But I want to know what you think about that. Do you think that, do you think that, to me, that's kind of a little bit of an odd statement as well. Like, if women like something, does that mean it's not pornographic? Can women like something that's pornographic? Yeah. Can women not like something that's pornographic? Because I would definitely say that it is pornographic, you know. Um, Just my little two cents of when you have, you know, a woman being raped multiple times, that doesn't seem like there's much love happening in that moment, you know. Right. Exactly. And smoking a cigarette out of her vagina, at the very least. Even even if we never, even if you cut out all the rape scenes. Right. because we see more of that one woman in that one shot than we see of the other women. I mean, we yes, we see full-on bushes or whatever, but we don't. I mean, she, she's, she's she got sticks a leg. Cig- cigarette in her hole and smokes out of the hole and smiles the entire time. So really, if you are listening to this, this is a must-see movie. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely tell people to watch this movie. It is. It is fascinating it is a time capsule of thailand in this period it is an interesting exploration of some sexual philosophies and one of the things that mario said that i i I found hilarious uh was his statement about um a, a third party should be compulsory (laughs) that guy comes in between that it's like they're doing when he says that they're doing this very bizarre montage of of obviously sexual things that are going on this is the end of the movie uh sexual things that are going on with mario and now the uh new emmanuel because he said he would not have sex with her until she became a new emmanuel one that they haven't discovered yet some hidden emmanuel under all of this is this it is this it no not gonna not gonna (laughs) let me peel back some more onion and so, uh, yeah, that that is a great line. And then also, like, there's this head of this person <laughs> in between. I I doubt that you saw it uh, because I don't know that many people did, and I know how busy you are. But by any chance, did you happen to see Zoolander two? 
I kind of wanted to. No, I did not. Okay, so we recently watched it on Amazon Prime because uh, on demand, right? Because it was like 99 cents. It's like, fuck yeah, for 99 cents, we wanted to go see it too. I loved Zoolander. I loved the first one. Right? I really did. Yeah. So this is, and I actually, for 99 cents, I, I liked number two, Zoo, Two Lander, just as well uh, because I didn't feel like I wasted my money. But there's this running bit in it, and I, I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't want to spoil anything, but where, because <laughs> I know you're all running out to go see <laughs> Two Lander. Uh, Owen Wilson's character, Hansel. 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 They reveal sort of where he's been or where he's at right now, and he's in a long-term relationship with an orgy. Like, so with... <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> but that kind of reminded me of it. It's just like when you were talking, when you were just describing Mario and, and Emmanuel and this, like, this head of this third person <laughs> coming. Wait a minute, where did that person come from? It's such a tight that? shot. It's a very tight shot. <laughs> it's just like, he just, like, the head just kind of coming into the shot. It's ridiculous. But yeah, uh, Mario saying, "Tell me your thoughts about this. Monogamy should be prohibited. As if like there should be a law, <laughs> <laughs> and that a third person should be compulsory." Also, okay, let's. I, I want to read his, what he says about the law of the future. According to Mario, law of the future states that one must make love without any shame or inhibitions. That virginity is not superior that relationships are free from boundaries, one must transcend the boundaries until there are none left. We should do away with the fear of self-discovery, the fear of happiness. All these fears engender a false morality and promote conformity and reject authentic living. All we have left is lies. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> He's so deep, man. And this is before they're smoking opium. <laughs> He hadn't even made it to the opium den yet. <laughs> I mean, he gets really deep there. Then when he takes her to the Thai boxing place, something you would never see today. I mean, you may be able to see the Thai boxing, but the victor, she goes up and she licks the blood off of his eyebrow. And I thought, you would never see that in a movie today. It would never no. be written in because of AIDS, AIDS and everything. Right. Like, that is a bad idea anywhere, but you are in Thailand. <laughs> knows what sort of like hep, hep B you now have. <laughs> Hope you had a good time. Hope you packed your antibiotics. <laughs> um, it goes back I would just love to hear the drink. Okay, so now here's what we're going to be doing next. So the victor is going to come over. You mean the, the ones that don't speak any English? Yes. The one that don't, have no idea what's happening? Yes. Now I want you to lick his forehead. Really? Yes. You want that Oscar, then you better lick. Sell it. I want to feel like I can taste that blood myself. Yeah, I mean, there were just moments like that that I imagine were strange and absurd at the time, but are even more are even more far out nowadays. The polyamory stuff in itself, you know, it's not that big of a shocker. We... I mean, you and I, we know we know several people who have open marriages or relationships and have, you know, have are um, what's a polysexual, mm -hmm. um, which is not the same as um, 
I forget what the word is, but but it means more like you have multiple partners. It doesn't mean necessarily that you will fuck anything. So that's a even though it's not something that people go out and advertise, it's a little less odd. I, there was a whole storyline on The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. I don't know if you saw that show, mm-hmm. but where one of the main characters was in a polyamorous relationship for a long time, and she she was sort of the third. So it's not that shocking of a concept in modern times, but I imagine in 1970, the idea of having a third person in your marriage or would have been quite shocking to Americans at least. Well, I don't, I mean, this took place in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, during that time you were having like key cults. parties, and swing <laughs> cults, uh, you know, I mean, We've just, all seen yeah, the ice swing, a lot of swinging. Yeah. Yeah. Key parties, leave your keys at the door and the candy ball at the door. Yeah. But to actually think about having a relationship with a third, like that you have a third part and, and this isn't, in the movie, but, you know, but it's kind of what Mario is also saying, you know, that a third person should be compulsory. Like, you should always have a third person, either to, to live in that way to where you've got another adult, I, I would imagine was very, would have been scandalous, but you're right. I mean, there was definitely experimentation and freedom oh, and this, going yeah, on. Yeah, in the 70s, definitely. You know, that was their whole thought that that was like the whole thing was just like be free don't we're not we're not our parents well how much did Emmanuel have to do with that though (laughs) like did she just bust open the doors I don't know about that I think that they probably rode the wave though definitely well then she also had that great line of saying like I'm tired and you probably spoke these words like I'm tired of trying to be this great person I'm no good at it I've really tried to live life according to their stories, ideas. I can't. I give up. So I, I'm. this is when she was, like, heartbroken about B, and she's yeah. kind of talking to Jean. And I, I was thinking, who's they in this? Is she talking about people in general? Is she talking about her parents? Because other than the phone call with them at the beginning to take her to the airport, right. no, we don't know anything about who she is, right. where she's she came married from. anyway. You know, she's she's a she's supposed to be a grown up anyway. You know, yeah. So, but yeah, and how deep could that have really? You were you were with B for four days, <laughs> and you are heartbroken, and you're heartbroken. Well, because I think she just she focused all of her love and attention that she wanted to give Jean onto B for four I'm, days. For four days. For four days. And then B tells her this whole story about how she went to school and the, she got an A on her test and the teacher thought she cheated. cheated and her life was, and she was, she fell into a very, very deep, dark depression for two days <laughs> and her whole life was over, two days. Oh, B and does then, not know depression. <laughs> well, that's what I thought, what, well, how I interpreted that, because then she says, just like you said it, like that I fell into this deep depression. For two, for two days, days. Right. and I was sad that I that I was over it so easily. Yeah, and I actually thought, well, that's again pretty deep. Pretty deep. That's yeah. pretty deep because sitting across from people, and especially with younger people who are going through something, and you know, you just gotta, you're gonna get through it. You're gonna get over. Right now, it feels like the end of the world, and whether it's two days or two years, there there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, 
but that people do kind of have this romantic idea about their depression sometimes that it's like they want to they want to be depressed or if you, if you get over something so quickly then maybe it didn't mean as much and Emmanuel's about to learn that lesson about B in that film right she's about to be heartbroken and then get over it yeah I well, thought- yeah and like <sighs> after her several rapes apparently she feels like I don't even remember what I was upset about. B. Who's B? It just seemed like, who's B? It seemed like all a dream. She says it's like it was a dream. Yeah. I just needed to get it raped right out of me. Oh, my God. It's, I'm not laughing at rape. I'm just laughing because it's just so crazy. Uh, so the Miller test. So the Miller test was a ruling that came down or that has kind of come together because of a ruling Miller versus California about obscenity laws in the 70s. And in 1973, the verdict came down. And so three parts for the Miller test are whether the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that the work, in this case, Emmanuel, taken as a whole, appeals to the prurient prurient interest. I can't stand that word. P and the R and the U and the R too close together. Prurient interest. that's one. Is this purity? Is this like Puri- purient um, is interest? No, is that like purient uh, is like I think like salacious. Um, uh, oh, the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, does it appeal to like um, one's interest in the obscene, right? Uh, and then. The second one is whether the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct, sexual conduct or excretory functions specifically defined by applicable state law. So sexual conduct or <laughs> excretory functions make me think of the cigarette. Right. Right. That to me is like, okay, well, that may not pass the Miller test. Uh, and then the last one is whether the work taken as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Do you think that Emmanuel possesses literary, artistic, political, or scientific value? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. Uh, I think that it has value in that sense of. Um, I think in the sense of being able to see things that you couldn't even imagine, um, getting a chance to um, experience things that you would never even imagine or come up with on your own. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, visually, it's like, wow, this is a really beautiful shot. And then you're seeing so much of the Thai culture that, you know, of just like the canals. And when she's in the canal and she's, hey, you hungry? And pulls over to this woman cooking a rabbit on the side of the road. I don't even know what she was eating. In the wa- I, like on a boat. On a boat. I don't even know what she was eating. I don't know. I don't want to know what it was. <laughs> but just like that kind of sense. And on shit river. <laughs> on shit river. And she's cooking up a meal, a hot meal at that. Um, and seeing the whole thing of like right at the beginning when Emmanuel shows up at that, this was such an uncomfortable scene for oh, me I'm so when with she you. shows up and he picks her up in the airport and they're driving that little green sports car down a dark, down an alley. And I'm like, how many children is he running over right now? Of like the, all of the people are coming up to the car. All of the people are coming. Where are up, the ADs? Uh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and not all that you And just kind of going through these people and like all the children that are there. And then Jean gets out of the car and just leaves her there. 
to to be all these kids coming at her. I would be I would be freaked out too, you know. Um, and what you, you didn't see, see was the later scene when they get back to the house and the handyman is scraping a child off of the bumper. No, I know. <laughs> and then the cutting of the head, the chicken head, you know. And if you're you don't eat like that, yeah. kind, it's I mean, kind I've of been disturbing. a vegetarian yeah. for twenty five years now. They basically that in that same scene where he leaves Emmanuel in the car with all of these everybody. In, in, you know, encroaching the car where she's just like freaking out. She looks up and she sees this guy gutting a chicken, just cutting the chicken's head off. And then, and you see the whole thing and she gets freaked out rightly. So in my opinion, um, but you see that kind of stuff compared to the gorgeous house, the gorgeous views, the beautiful side of, uh, I guess Thailand that you don't normally see. And when they go into some of the bars and clubs, the dancers with the long finger, you see a lot of the culture that way too. I find you're seeing the really ugly side of it, I'm guessing, in a, in a way. And then you see this really beautiful side of it as well. So I think it has value in that sense, yeah. Yeah, I I, I concur with everything that you just said. I think um, it definitely has that artistic value, literary value from what little, I have not read the book from what, little i understand about the book it, it doesn't seem as rapey at the end <laughs> um but i i can't confirm that uh because i haven't read it but um the story uh, the book was written by emmanuel arsan who later on uh, it came out was supposedly this woman mariat relay andrienne and her husband louise jacques relay andrienne like later on they found out that they either wrote it together or he wrote it, but that they were their nom de plume was Emmanuel, whatever Arson, um, and it really kind of parallels what that couple's life was because mm. she was this, although she was Thai, like he was a diplomat in Thailand and met her when she was a young woman, and then later on they ended up being married in this polyamorous relationship. But they had kids and everything, but apparently. This woman who was like their third, because a third person should be compulsory, they left her the rights to Emmanuel. Oh, interesting. Not to their children. Interesting. But left it to their lover, which I find very fascinating. Hmm. Just a little... Well, I guess she was the inspiration for it, so they felt like, you yeah, know, I guess, give her you a know, little it's, something. It's, it's, it's all there. Um, so, you know, wrap it up here and let you get back to your life as, as a productive and respectable member of society that I have forced into having this conversation with me. You are so Mario. You are so Mario. You're so Mario. What I was really going to ask is if you wanted to go play some squash. Um, <laughs> Does it have a ladder? Long-term impact. Final thoughts. Obviously, we know that this as we've already said, has legs. It's showed for so many years in, in France. It's still fascinating. Do you think that it is going to continue? I would totally think that's, that this is probably used in college. I mean, honestly, like used in college film courses and stuff. I can't imagine it wouldn't be, you know, that people wouldn't still be using this as, as uh, some sort of, I don't know what they would use it for, but I would assume that it's probably shown in like film courses of like, you know, this is one of the first erotic films, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to uh, hold up for all the reasons that you talked about as well when we're talking about the Miller test. It's sort of 
literary value, artistic value. I think there's philosophical value, even if you don't subscribe to Mario or Jean's uh, view of relationship, sex, and love. They're posing those questions, and I think that that's always interesting. And I, I'm very again, I'm I'm very non-judgmental when it comes to that whatever works you know as long as everybody's consensual and that right. was the other thing that for the most part i thought the movie emphasized was that to have an open relationship you have to have communication and honesty and you have to just be open about it all and that's where the rapey stuff really i have conflict with because that seems non-consensual right and and in its own way, kind of dishonest. Like, she doesn't know she's going into this opium den to get right. Right. They don't tell her what she's... They don't tell her anything. And it's not the same thing as, like... Because they do have an open relationship in the sense of, like, I think Jean... I mean, like, there's that moment with um, Ariange or whatever at the second squash court in the locker room where Ariange is a little mad that she likes B and, and you know, uh, Emmanuel's being a little sassy back of like, okay, I don't want you touching me anymore. Wrong, you know, I don't want you touching me. They're having a little spat, sort of, lover spat, I guess. Yeah. And uh, how she says, you know, you know I had sex with John. You know, does, do you know I was over there? And she's like, oh, yeah, he told me. I mean, like, they have... Either she's lying really well, or it seems like they do talk about, oh, yeah, I had sex with her. Oh, yeah, I had sex with, oh, yeah, Marie-Ange is gone. I, I talked to her parents. Oh, yeah, no, she's off on vacation now. After I finger-banged her, she had to leave, you know. <laughs> so it sounds like they do have those conversations a lot. So, and that, yeah, the, the getting with Mario was a whole other like, why do I have to go with Mario kind of thing? Don't okay. make me go with Mario. No, Mario, no. You know what? Everybody's talking about the Mario. You're going to get the Mario, too, you know. that That's where, yeah, it took a whole other turn. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to me about this. My pleasure. Yeah. Always fun. It's so fun to see you. It's always so fun to see you, too. And I know you mentioned that there were photographs from your production of Emmanuel. Did you ever find them? or? Um, I had some pictures I, I do have like a picture of the cast I'm, I was actually asking a couple of people if they have any pictures of the actual show show I don't know if this is before this is again this is before the, the days of everybody having pictures and doing cell phones videos and all that stuff all the time oh, cool. yeah this is you know it was just um, it was more rare than people just went and saw the show oh my god that's so weird <laughs> they just actually just you mean they didn't just watch a YouTube clip and they weren't like playing you no know, Pokemon Go during while you're on stage or anything oh um but I do have, yeah, I definitely have at least a cast photo I can show. Is there a place people can find you on Twitter or Instagram that you would be feel comfortable <laughs> sharing with the, anybody who's I listening? I am on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, Chris Magaha. I'm on Instagram as Chris Magaha. I'm just, just me. Just K-R-I-S. Just K-R-I-S. And last name is Magaha. M-C capital G-A-H-A. Magaha. And that's just straight Chris Magaha. No underscore or anything. Mm-mm. Okay. Cool. So there you have it. All right, so thanks everybody for coming to class today. And as always, no running in the halls. And uh, <laughs> hall pass. Where's your hall pass? That's right. Stay away from rapey Mario. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no running in the halls. Sometimes I find myself sitting back and reminiscing, especially when I have to watch other people kissing. And I remember when you started.
Okay, class, pencils down. Here are some things we learned in this episode of Cinema Sex Ed. Emmanuel is basically a travelogue of 1970s Thailand, and it's worth a watch for that alone. It's chock full of things you just don't see every day. Emmanuel spawned an ever-changing number of films and TV projects. Dutch actress Sylvia Cristal played Emmanuel in five of the sequels, played an entirely different character in Emmanuel 4, and played old Emmanuel in something like seven TV movies. Say what you want about Emmanuel. But the third thing we learned is that Sylvia Cristal spoke four languages and had an IQ of 165, apparently. So to put that in perspective, an average IQ is between 85 to 115. Only 5% of the population is believed to have an IQ over 125. And she's at 165. Okay. Number four. In 1970s Thailand, some squash courts required a ladder to get in and out of them. Number five, some people believe that if a woman has sex with another woman outside her primary relationship with a man, it's not cheating. So look, it depends on what the people in the primary relationship consider cheating. What cheating is or isn't needs to be negotiated and mutually agreed upon by the people in any primary relationship. The gender of the third party is only important as it pertains to the individual couple's negotiations. Cinema Sex Ed. Number six, plain seats and bathrooms were much larger in the 1970s and therefore joining the Mile High Club seemed like a much more doable prospect. Number seven, the French are seriously dark and morose, even with such liberal views on sex. Number eight, Emmanuel passes the Miller test. Chris and I believe it does have serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. It also passes the Bechdel test. This is number nine. The Bechdel test is a way to measure the active presence of women in films and works of fiction in order to call attention to gender inequality in fiction. So it has three parts, the Bechdel test. One, the movie has to have at least two women in it with names. Two, who talk to each other. And three, who talk about something besides a man. According to BechdelTest.com, Emmanuel does indeed pass the Bechdel test, although there is a warning that Emmanuel is raped and offered as a prize towards the end of the movie. Lastly, I know I probably don't have to say it, but we know rape isn't funny. Please don't flood me with you shouldn't laugh at rape feedback. I know this. Even when we're joking about the absurdity of Emmanuel's sexual awakening, I am all too aware that people are put into non-consensual sexual situations every day and that is unacceptable. But you know that too. Okay, moving on. Let's keep the conversation going. What else did we miss? Do you think Emmanuel is a sexy film? Can women like something that's pornographic? Do you think monogamy should be outlawed? How about a mandatory third party in marriages? Send us your feedback at cinemasexed at gmail.com. You can find Chris on Twitter at at Chris McGaha, and you can find me at at Pinky Avalon. You can find Cinema Sex Ed on Twitter at Ed. We took the ma out of it. And you can subscribe to us on Podbean and iTunes. Thanks again to Eben Schletter for his awesome arrangement of The Good Life and to Robert Bailey for his smooth-toned VO work. See you next time on Cinema Sex Ed. And no running in the halls.